Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we are officially getting ready for Survivor Series this weekend from Boston, Massachusetts, war game style, first time ever on the main roster. And for the first time, I think ever, Survivor Series is not falling on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. It's going to be on the Saturday after the holiday, which is new and different and very unique for us as we'll be back covering that show early Sunday morning. But before then, we're going to dive into all things WWE from this past week. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner, who did not win the NXT Championship this past Tuesday from Von Breaker, despite his best efforts. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you, Keela. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. I'm uh I was looking forward to this great conversation that we're going to have and I watched SmackDown and I saw the abomination that 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 had happened and you know that meme that they got on the internet of from the Godfather, look at how they massacred my boy. Whew. Look at how they massacred Gunther. I warned you. I told you, I tried to tell you in advance that what you will see on SmackDown will hurt your spirit. It will infuriate you. It will anger you. And it did all of those things to me when I watched it in real time. So can you imagine watching what you had to see on Friday involving our guy Gunther? We'll get to his running from someone momentarily. But as always on this show, we have to dive into our weekly NBA discussion of how our teams in the Western Conference are doing. And we have an update. My Warriors are right now standing in 11th place with a 7-9 and record, still still losing on the road. Has not won a road game this year. Lost to Phoenix pretty badly once again this past Wednesday. The Lakers did win twice this week. They're now 4-10. They're in 14th place in the division. Stop it. (laughs) I'm so sorry. But Scott had a fun stat. I want him to share with all of you regarding those four victories for the Lakers this year. They played played well. Uh, Defensively (laughs) is where they really made the adjustment. Um, I also want to throw in there, when we talk about some of these losses that the Warriors had, Steph dropped a 50-piece and they lost. Mm -hmm. Um, So that happened. And uh, Steph's had like three 40 point games mm-hmm. where, like, they've just been memes of him just sitting on the bench. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like sad face him, just him sitting on the bench with like 45 points, nine rebounds, <laughs> six assists, 19 for 22 from the field, eight threes. And he's just looking like, yo, what? <laughs> what are we doing? But I get it because the Lakers are 4 0 when LeBron doesn't play. So, what do I know? You know, like what 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 is going on with the NBA? But yeah, it's um I like watching Luca. At least I have that to fall back to. And Giannis is always a pleasure. Yeah, those are two fallbacks for me too. But yeah, can you imagine putting up those numbers and you sit there sad? Ridiculous. Like, what is what are we doing here? Where is my team? Do we have to trade people? Because this is ridiculous. Even even I am starting to be like I mean, like, God dang, like, you're, you're nice, bro. And then I'm like, dang, <laughs> imagine if you had some, like, like, what, what was, what is the difference between this and last year? Like, <laughs> it's the same team. I, I just, I don't get it, man. Like, 
I, maybe they just got hot at the right time and they caught the right matchups. But, I mean, Steph's balling his tail out. And this is coming from a real Steph Curry hater. And, like, they just they can't get it done. They just cannot get it done. Your boy really John confusing. Collins from your, t- your your Hawks, he might be he might be on the block. And if I'm the Warriors, I might be willing to give up a few pieces to get him. Agreed, because they need something, because this is the same team, the same team. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if it's a championship hangover. Mm, Clay hasn't been the same either. He's getting called out. Maybe he's not the same either. I don't know, but I've never seen anything like it when you put up those numbers and you have no help to help you win the game. And that's our NBA TED Talk. Yes, it is. We're going to put it a bow on it right now. We'll be back on Sunday discussing it right before we dive into our Survivor Series review, which we do be always on The Wrap. But let's dive into some WWE talk, which is why we're here today. And I got to talk about a couple of people from Monday Night Raw. Two people that I like a lot, actually. And Matt Riddle and Mustafa Ali, two talented guys. But the booking as of late has definitely been a choice and not a good one. And I want to start with Matt Riddle because... Just a month ago at Extreme Rules, he defeated Seth Rollins in a fight pit match. He was dominant. He was over. And then he starts playing the bongos and associating with Elias and losing to Chad Gable in really good matches. But the presentation, the jokes, the copying off of Sami Zayn with the Usi line this past Monday on Raw, it just feels like... WWE has kind of cooled off on the Matt Riddle main event push for reasons I don't quite understand because he's really good in the ring. And we saw how great he was earlier this summer against Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship on SmackDown, a match that legit drew numbers for 40 plus minutes. He was a draw. He lost. And then he went over to Seth Rollins to feud for a couple of months, which was good. But ever since then, he has fallen flat and the presentation has done very little for me as a viewer and a fan of his that I have been rolling with for a while. I loved RK Bro. That's done now because of Randy's injury. But the booking and presentation of Riddle has definitely been a choice. And this is under a guy that knows him very well from NXT and Paul Levesque. So I don't understand the booking and presentation of Matt Riddle as of late, Scott. Well, you know, if you think about it, Riddle was never a top guy in NXT. He was a tag champion. He won the Dusty Cup. He would always challenge for the titles, but he was never a top guy. And, you know, he he was really getting that main event rub and love and those main event type of reactions under Vince. You know, like it was in the tag team where he was getting over and that was when Vince was kind of was running stuff. And then when Triple H was running stuff, this is where Riddle was. Like, this is where Riddle was in NXT. But remember, when Velveteen Dream was the North American champion, Riddle was like the overwhelming favorite to win, and he lost. When he challenged Adam Cole for the NXT championship, when they went head-to-head against uh, AEW in the, the very first night of AEW, he lost. Like, Matt, this... I. I think this is how Triple H views him. I don't think he views him as a top guy. And it's like, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the point about him beating Seth Rollins in the fight pit because I forgot. And that, that's very telling that he got this huge win where the story was built up where he couldn't win. And they had that great, brings back the great promo exchange of, you know, 
you know, to R- Rollins talking about divorced kids and all that stuff, and Riddle showing some real fire and a lot of emotion, great baby face fire and stuff. And now he's, you know, making bong jokes. And it's like, I, I, it seems like they're just treading water until Randy Orton comes back. And it's a shame because I do feel like they genuinely had a player. Like, m- maybe not the guy that you build around, but somebody that you can have face anybody and have a really good match with. So I just think it's a missed opportunity. And Triple H just doesn't see him as a top guy. And this is where he is. And it's kind of bizarre when Vince's booking was a bit better a few months ago versus what we're getting right now. And he's very competent in there in terms of being a main event player that can get over. The people loved him months ago. I will say I do appreciate him pulling back on the Randy tributes, which were a bit much for me towards the end of Vince's booking in WWE. But the presentation has definitely been lacking. And as you mentioned, this does go back to his time on NXT being ever so close to a championship and losing it. But the one aspect I did love is when Riddle was not the favorite against Velveteen Dream, for example. He knew when to be a heel in specific matches. And maybe that's where they need to go with Riddle in terms of maybe turning him heel to get some of his heat back that he's lost the fans over the last few months or so. You know, I, I think I think Jeremy, I think it was Jeremy that said it. Um, and I think he really hit it on the nose. If you do want to do that, there's no better person to turn on than Randy Orton as soon as he comes back. Like me personally, as a Randy Orton fan, I know he's just a monster as a heel and that's where the money is, but you might be right, Keelan. Maybe that's kind of where the mojo might shift for Matt Riddle as far as seeing Triple H, seeing him in a different light. And I kind of think like Riddle should start. I'm, I'm actually on board with Riddle adopting Randy Orton's moves and kind of taking uh, Orton's moves. I, I would be okay with him whenever Orton does kind of hang it up and give it up. Like I'd be okay with Riddle taking the RKO. Like I, I think he's kind of worked it into his repertoire where it kind of, it fits people see and kind of view it with him because of the tag team. So I kind of like that. He's taken a few of them, you know, he doesn't have to take the whole comeback, but I like that he's taken the DDT and the RKO. I like that too. I thought it was like an over, over, over reliance on the suplexes for me. That's true. That's that true. bothered me. Like, dude, let's not copy your boy. Move for move. That was my drawback. When the, you do belly to back suplexes on the announce table, that's a bridge too far for me. Don't be exactly like Randy. But you can do the DDT. You can do the RKO. That's lovely tributes to Randy. And he can keep that in his, in his repertoire. But I don't want to see the suplexes very often in his move set. But I just think that Randy coming back when he's healed, that would be a way to get Riddle over as a heel because I think at this point, Randy will never be booed again. He's reached emeritus status like Edge. Like, you can try your best to get booed, but the fans love you too much to be booed at this point. Yeah, you. I think that's a really good point, too. Like, the reactions that Randy Orton were getting before he got in, like, before they, he got got taken off TV with his injury, I mean, that, that was top-tier babyface reaction. So, yeah, that's a good point. And I... I Again, I think you're really on to something with Riddle making, you know, doing turning heel. And Randy Orton is definitely the guy to do it. And especially him hitting an RKO on Randy Orton and, and hitting a DDT on Randy Orton and all. I, I think there is a lot to that. And I think Riddle could be a lot of fun as this kind of snarmy heel who like yeah, I, I like that kid. I think you really could be on to something there. I saw snippets of it in that, in that takeover match against Dream a few years ago. He knew when to turn it on to be hated. It did the attitude changed. He locked in. 
He wasn't afraid to be the bad guy. If you do it on the main roster against Randy, I think it can be done. And both guys can go on the mic when need be. And I can sense a more aggressive riddle, a bit more serious, a bit more darker, menacing, violent. That would be the way to go for me if they go in that direction long term. Now, another star has been booked questionably on Monday Night Raw as of late. Another guy that I really like in the form of Mustafa Ali. Now, I'm all about trying to build a baby face up. However, I am not here for Mustafa being fed constantly to Bobby Lashley to be killed and destroyed on a weekly basis. It happened again this past Monday when Bobby just beat this man's ass. He put him in the hurt lock, choked him out, speared him, sent him through the ring post, the announce table, the still steps. He brutalized this man. And I love the fight Ali has, but this is not how you get a baby face over by getting his ass kicked repeatedly. We know this guy can talk. We know he has a love of charisma to him. But once again, it's about the presentation and playing to his strengths. We know he can do some DIY videos from home, from backstage to really get himself over. He's got to do that. But the booking is not really playing into what he can do to get over. Because once again, I'm wondering what does Paul Levesque really see in Ali? Is there a ceiling he needs to hit? Does he need to do something extra? I don't know. The talent's there. We've seen it before. But it's all about what you're going to do to try to get him over, despite the crowd being so, so towards him right now with good reason. The most interesting thing that Ali has done for me personally where I really was like yeah that was really good was when he gave that promo with Ricochet uh where you know Ricochet was like yo you know you're injured and stuff and he's like look if I can breathe I can fight let's do this you know and simple short and effective I was like that's hard like that that short simple promo he cut right there with Ricochet showed more heart than him trying to jump Bobby Lashley from behind and then get tossed off screen and Lashley continues his promo. <laughs> I mean, like, what is that? That is literally like a, a a monkey jumping on you and you flicking it off. I mean, like, I just don't I don't get what what they're trying to do with Ali. And then to put him in the World Cup, like to, and you're supposed to make the World Cup feel important. But you're putting a guy in there who's getting beat on Monday night and getting beat decisively. But we're supposed to believe that he's, you know, that he's supposed to he can beat Ricochet on Friday night. Like, I, I, I'm i wondering, like, I, is the connection from booking Monday to Friday, if you're going to book the same people Monday to Friday, at least have it make some sense. I'm glad they at least had the, the ribs taped. But are you protecting him in a loss from Ricochet? Like, I. I just don't understand what they're doing with him. I, I and if you're not going to do anything with him like that, like I don't know, man. That's he, he, another guy who had a couple promos he cut on the internet that were great. People were ready to get behind him. Then they put him with Retribution. Like they saw he could talk, and they were like, "All right, cool. We'll make him the leader of this group because they we don't have anything to do with these guys and girls that we called up." And so now it's like he's a really good worker. And he can take some hellacious bumps or and make him look crazy. So let's use him to get our our monsters over. So I, you know, that's it's it's another case of, and you can't push everybody. So you know, I get that, but you can make people seem like a bigger deal by just doing the little things. Like you don't have to make Mustafa Ali just seem like a complete chump, and then put him in the World Cup. 
this this prestigious quote unquote World Cup you got going on. It just it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. The booking on Monday was really confusing because I'm trying to build a guy up. I'm not going to have him get beat up by Bobby Lashley. I have him get a win over Cedric Alexander, for example, to build go. him up. Just get him away from Bobby for a week. You want to beat his ass on Monday, do what you got to do before Survivor Series. But if I'm trying to give somebody a love of credibility against Ricochet and to make the match as even as possible, then you give him an easy win on Monday. You build him up. You have him go to Friday Night SmackDown. He loses to Ricochet. It's an even competitive fun match. And then if you want to if you want to have him get beat up by Bobby on Monday, whatever. I still don't agree with it because I think there is so much more value in Ali than what we're seeing on TV because we know everybody can't get pushed, but there is a mid-card scene that needs some support with the U.S. champion in tow with Seth Rollins. Now, we know Seth turned face because the fans willed it into existence, and you can't have Ali kind of cold as a babyface going up against another babyface, but I feel as if you need to protect him a bit more book him better, and then get him ready for a championship match to make it all make sense. Because right now, the booking is definitely a choice and not a good one. And this is where you, you, know, you need guys and girls at the bottom of the card who can take these losses. And you know, WWE is so invested in, in making, like in the 50-50 booking, like you just laid it out. Like, have Ced- like Cedric's not doing nothing. He's, he's not doing anything. So at least on TV. So why not have him just take this loss? And if you don't, I mean, do a squash match. Why why can't Ali have a squash match? Because he's not a giant. Like, why can't he just show off a couple nice aerial maneuvers? Let him hit that beautiful tornado DDT he does. He can hit the inverted or the inverted 450 or do a regular 450 or a shooting star, whatever he wants to finish it with and end it quick and show that he can end it just like that. Like, you can do squash matches with quote unquote small guys, you know, or as Ricochet said, flippy flippers, your words, not mine, the Braun Strowman. Um, we'll get to that too. But, you know, so I, I, I don't understand why everyone's so opposed to the squash match and just bringing in local enhancement towns. Like, yo, let's just come in. Ali, you take care of them real quick. One, two, let's hit it and let's go home. Like that's what that's for. That's, that's how you get the guy over, get his moves over. You could put a new move over, and then and then the match with Ricochet, he's not coming off this complete burial. Not burial, but this just complete decimation. It's just, you just be logical about stuff. And he's very logical. He's not even a SmackDown roster member. I mean, seriously. It's very mind-boggling to me. It's between that and Johnny Gagano's booking. He could be in the World Cup. He could have went to SmackDown. You know, we could have saved Ali from this misery for a few weeks, but here we are. And back on the Cedric tip for a second, if you're having Shelton lose matches, Bobby's winning, but he's still pissed, and Cedric loses another match, that still plays into what you're trying to do with the Hurt Business if you're trying right. to reunite them. It all ties in. Bobby's mad at Mustafa Ali. He'll beat his ass next Monday. Problem solved, but they just went in this direction I wasn't here for. And he still lost on Friday. It was a, a it was a nice effort, which we'll get to momentarily. But the booking of these two guys as of late on Monday Night Raw has been baffling. Yeah, a lot a lot of time has gone to and you know he's my guy, but a lot of time has gone to the Miz and Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano, 
And, you know, we have guys like Mustafa Ali who could be getting legit promo time and cutting a two-minute, two, three-minute promo and just getting the screen time that he needs instead of getting thrown out of the screen. Like, <laughs> that's the, I mean, that's the difference of what you got to do. Like, instead of getting thrown out, he should be getting put in front of the screen. And we got Miz having 17-minute matches. Like, yeah. You know, I, I just I just don't it's just it's like I said, I don't think he views Ali as that guy. And back to circling back all the way to the riddle topic where it started, I just don't think he views these two as anything more than really good workers who can be used to get other people over. Like he knows Riddle is established, so he's not gonna just have everybody walk all over him. But he's I don't I don't see Riddle ever getting to the top of the card. And I think Ali is where Ali is going to be until he goes down to NXT and gets a nice homecoming, even though he's never been there, but he'll get a great reaction. <laughs> hey, listen, at this point, go back or go or debut there. I know, right? It feels like he's been there, but he hasn't. He hasn't been there. We're thinking about 205 Live. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what we're thinking about. Yeah. So he can go debut there. They'll love him. Maybe it'll work out for him. I want more, but it is what it is right now, unfortunately. But speaking about booking, that can be bad sometimes. Let's talk about booking that can actually be good for someone, such as Austin Theory, because his booking this past Monday was actually great. And dare I say, he's tapped into something that will actually give him sustainability on the main roster as a surly angry bastard that might give me some pack vibes from AEW in terms of I lost everything. I have nothing else to lose. I no longer care. And I'm going to beat up everybody because of it. And I thought he gave a great performance backstage on the mic with Kathy Kelly. And he noted that, listen, I was never going to be Roman Reigns for that championship or championships. He's got a whole bloodline in his corner. So I had to think to street. I had to think strategically about my next move. So I decided to go for one of the more prolific champions in all, in all, of, of all time, Seth Rollins, and I went for the U.S. title. And for the record, he clarified, because Bobby beat up Mustafa Ali, the open challenge was canceled. So we'll give them a pass on that. So he went for the title, lost, thanks to Bobby Lashley, and he's pissed off about it, but he's still going to be that guy. Ziggler comes in the frame and he tells Theory, well, um, I had one of the greatest cash-ins of all time, if not the greatest, and you had the worst. No, Seth Rollins had the greatest cash-in of all time at WrestleMania 31, but I'll leave that alone. This leads to Ziggler versus Theory, which was pretty good. Fans got into it as Ziggler made a great comeback, and in Theory lands the eight-town down, not once but twice, but he doesn't go for the pin. He pummels beats down destroys Ziggler and he throws chairs at him he actually dropped the stairs on Ziggler too almost hit the eye at one point which was dangerous but he was vicious he didn't smile there were no selfies he has a beard now he's just mean mugging and it was believable and that is what we want to see from Austin Theory it goes back to what Kevin Owens told him you were given everything and you've earned nothing you are you are a dime a dozen. We've seen you come and go for years in this company. What can you do to stand out? What can you do to make me believe you have what it takes to be a champion someday? And we saw glimmers of that this past Monday. My only thing is, can we show some love to the people we just talked about to get that same kind of booking long term as well? 
I absolutely loved everything about this. I thought Austin Theory was great. I I, I thought his promo was really good. I thought his beatdown was, like, like you said, was vicious. He's got a nice look. I'm glad he ditched the cell phone because, like you said, on the <laughs> Crown Jewel post-show, um, you can never do the cell phone gimmick again as long as Logan Paul is associated with wrestling. Um, I, yeah, I, I really enjoy this, and I am very intrigued with this character with Austin Theory now. And I've someone who's been high on him the whole time. I, I think he's got all the tools, man. Like I, he's got a great look. He's young. He's really young. Like, I think that's the most important thing to remember. Like there's no need to rush anything with him. So I, and th- now that's something I will say, like triple H will definitely take his time with stuff. He may take too much time with stuff. You know, like he may take way too long to get stuff going, but he'll take his time with this. And so I am intrigued with what they're going to do with Austin Theory, and I'm excited. Dolph Ziggler again. I it's it's so I think it's so impressive that Dolph Ziggler is able to get the type of reactions and get pe- people invested in his matches like he does. At least the live audience when he never won a match with a famouser, <laughs> but that boy will pop a crowd <laughs> with a, a famouser two count. I ain't never seen Dolph Ziggler. Win a match with a famouser. I don't think he ain't won with a zigzag in years, it feels like. <laughs> like. And he is getting some great near falls that DDT never see. Like, I and I, I really like Ziggler, and I think he's a really good worker. And I think, and honestly, like, I'm making jokes, but that's a testament to him of him being able to really get the audience to, to get behind him as a babyface. So, I just think that's really impressive that Dolph Ziggler is able to do that. Agreed. Now, I don't care for the character. Haven't cared for a very long time. Kid, kid, kid. kid. I hate him calling him kid. Wait a minute. When you call a 40-year-old man a kid and Finn Balor, excuse me, a grown-ass man, a kid, calling Finn, my Finn, a kid? Disrespectful. Theory, you can call him a kid. That's fair. Rookie, you can say that, but not grown-ass men like Finn Balor. But I got to give Ziggler credit for this. He sells his ass off. He works hard. He'll get you over somehow, some way, like he did on like he did on NXT for Bond Break earlier this year, even though I was not a fan of the Sin and Deliver match and the match on Monday Night Raw. Those were drawbacks to me. But for Theory, he was great selling, getting his ass kicked, and getting this guy over, which, seg- which segues into our main event of Monday Night Raw involving Seth Rollins' noted babyface now versus Finn Balor, Finn Unet from Judgment Day for the United States Championship. And, you know, these guys always work great together. The chemistry is on point. It was a lot of fun. I was here for the dives on the outside by Seth Rollins, Finn going after the abs, great transitions into knee strikes and sling blades and frog splashes and Finn Balor going for that 1916, which was nasty on Seth Rollins for a new fall. And then we get interference from the OC, from Judgment Day, shenanigans galore, ringside, big old fight in the crowd. We got Rhea and Mia Yim going at it over the barricade. AJ Styles trips up Finn Balor on the top rope, which allows Seth to hit the curb stomp on Finn for the win. And then Theory comes back out one more time to beat down Seth Rollins. And he hits A-Town down a couple of times. He holds up the title after smashing Seth in the face with it. And their match could be official for Survivor Series or TV. We don't know yet. But once again, I loved the energy from Austin Theory, a guy 
that wants a championship. And we saw how great they were together a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Raw. Give them time at a PLE. It could even, it could even be better with more time with a good finish for either guy. Yeah, and you know, especially with Seth Rollins working more of the babyface style now. Don't like the hair. Not a fan of the hairdo. Um, you know, I don't know if he's trying to like do a mix of his blonde streak and he just put it all in the back and <laughs> forgot to bring it to the front. So I, you know, I don't know what's going on with that. But yeah, the match was great. I, I really enjoyed the match. A little overbooked. This like this this felt like I said this on the I said this on a Patreon episode that will that you hopefully you, you'll join the Patreon in here soon. Um, but I said this on the Patreon episode that Triple H books exactly how he was booked, and this felt like a Triple H main event right here. Just people running in everywhere, the factions coming in, and distractions everywhere. There's you know, and the, the champion sneaks away with the win and all this stuff, and I, you know I. I I just this is this is kind of the difference right here between this and what's going on with the Intercontinental Championship, or at least until at least until SmackDown. But before, like the Intercontinental Championship is being defended and won, just like straight up, like that's what's going on. That's the main story. The U.S. title is not the main story here. It is it is the background player to the OC versus the Finn Gang. Shout out to the purple bandanas they all rocking too. I appreciate that. But I, I don't like that the U.S. title is now in the background when it should be the most important part of the story. That should be why this whole thing is going on. This whole thing is going on just because AJ and Finn are going at it and the U.S. title just happens to be there. And that was the same problem we had with Bobby Lashley as champion towards the end right. of his run because he wasn't the focus. It was Dexter Loomis. It was The Miz. It was everybody but Bobby Lashley. And for both of us, that was a problem. And for Seth, he's great in every way. He's going to be a great champion, but he should be the star. He should be the focus. He's the champion of the most important championship on this brand when Roman Reigns is not on the show. That's a fact. So he's got to carry that championship and be the main driver of storylines, not a background player. And I do agree with you. The blonde hair is definitely a choice. Now the face turn happened <laughs> when he was dying the hair. And I was wondering like, um, this is a choice. I don't know about this. I do love the fact that he maintained that original strip of blonde hair for a long time. You remember when it was half on one side and then you turn heel, it slowly diminished. And it was one little tip of a highlight he kept for a whole year. That was commitment. Now he's gone overboard and dyed his whole damn hair blonde. And I don't like it at all. I don't like, I don't like it. I, I want it to change. It's got to go. Even if that means a hair versus hair match and he's got to lose <laughs> whatever it takes. But we got to figure out what we're going to do with the hair, buddy. For real. Because what scares me is when he comes out, when it's wet, I'm deceived. Oh, he dyed it back black. And then I look, oh, my God, it's getting progressively blonder and blonder and blonder and uglier and uglier and uglier. And I can't take it. So, Seth, please, baby, dye it back. I wonder how Becky feels waking up to that every night. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's probably it's probably nice and, and comb going to bed. And they wake up and he's got this blonde fro. <laughs> And she's looking like, who in the world is in this? Oh, this blonde. Oh, that's my husband. God dang it. 
<laughs> God dang it. <laughs> Forgot he dyed his hair. Damn. I'm sure she's doing double take every morning. Like, Kobe? Right. Is, is that you? Kobe? Really? Okay. Stop it. But yeah, he's got to get rid of that. It's not a good look for him long term, even though he's a face. But I assume he died because he was a heel for an extra week. But, you know, fans turned him. I'm very happy about that. And he's still wearing very outlandish suits. He had a cotton candy suit this Monday. And it's not lost on me that he's been trying to accentuate his behind a lot more. I can't help but to stare. It's just out there. I mean, look, if he's got the cheeks, he's got the cheeks. <laughs> I haven't noticed it. Obviously, you have. So <laughs> he, so <laughs> clearly, clearly, he's it's working. So people are noticing. I didn't notice. But now I guess next time I watch it, I'll be like, oh, Here's the cheeks. Great. Thanks, Keila. <laughs> I'm now going to be on alert. <laughs> there was a wrestling mutual I have on Twitter, and I said this for weeks, and then he messaged me back saying, you know what? I see what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you see. I told you. He's trying to show off that peach. Trying to let y'all know. Gotta, you got to peep how those suits are tailored. Just saying. <laughs> That's funny. You know, so I have confirmation somebody saw what I saw. I'm not the only one out here in these streets. But let's pivot to NXT. As we are approaching horny hours here on the show, every week is around that time. But we got to talk about a remarkable thing that happened on this past Tuesday. In that Von Wagner, quite possibly, had his greatest performance to date against Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship, which kicked off the show surprisingly enough. And I really enjoyed this match. I did. Vaughn looked good. I liked how he was dressed in the ring, like the pants. I liked his presence. Braun Breaker, a year in the game, a big test for him, because this is kind of like green on green, but he's more experienced than Von Wagner. But you're not being led by a veteran like Ciampa or Ilya Dragunov, or even Tyler Bate, for example, or J.D. McDonough. You are basically leading a fellow member of the class of 2021. And they did really freaking good. And that running Rana that he gave Von Wagner, the execution, the speed, the delivery, it was fantastic. I love Von big booting Braun Breaker at one point, chokes on him against the still steps, hitting the... AA for a near fall that popped everybody. We knew what the outcome was going to be, but you know, uh uh-uh, that's not going to be the finish. But I love the fact that that Braun Breaker, despite his strength and his ability to do a top rope bulldog and he can scoop you up for a slam, he cannot hit the gorilla press slam on Von Wagner. He's simply too big, but he pivoted and hit the spear for the win. And I thought this was a nice matchup, perfectly laid out. Great back and forth. Von Wagner was good. And Braun Breaker is amazing. Because like I said, big test when you're not working with the seasoned vet that has, been in a, that has been in the game for a very long time. And for him to deliver this performance against Von Wagner speaks really well to his future as a veteran that can go against anyone. I think Von Wagner, probably more than anybody, has got to be a testament that shows that 2.0 worked. I, I mean, like he, he, and he. Honestly, he's got to be. In, I think he's one of the most improved wrestlers WWE has over the last year. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to his match he had with Kyle O'Reilly, 
when they turned on him and he had that dead stare into the, the camera, that blank stare. And then I look at him now and he looks into the camera and he looks and he's looking like he means something, like he has a purpose and he's moving in the ring with the purpose. And if you to like him versus Kyle O'Reilly was just pales in comparison to what him and Braun Breaker did. And I, I think, you know, we give Braun Breaker a lot of credit and he deserves a lot of credit because he he's an anomaly. You don't see people like him all the time. He is an enigma. He's special. But Von Wagner, man, I, I again, everybody's not going to be a world breaker, a top guy, you know, a multiple time world champion. But Von Wagner is going to be a guy who's going to be in the wrestling business if he wants to. For 10 plus years, the way he is continuing to improve and just pick it up. Like, I mean, I, I I just think him being in the world, this this is a good testament and showcase of what 2.0 was supposed to do. It was supposed to find these talents and build them up by throwing them to the wolves by sink or swim and seeing who can hang their head above water. And let's be honest. Vaughn was barely keeping his head above water sometimes, but he kept it above, and now he's swimming. He's swimming with everybody. Vaughn is believable. He's been believable for a little bit. And I think this match is, again, just a testament to, I know they're not 2.0 anymore, but that change working. Because that wouldn't have happened if 2.0 doesn't come around. And like Braun, he was thrown on live TV day damn one. Right, right. Into an NXT championship match his first night on TV. He was Bambi. He was just staring, confused, <laughs> didn't know what to do. I said, who the hell is Von Wagner? That was my first reaction to him. And we read him on this show many, many times, even have an award for him for the rap. That might change this year. Gotcha. It might be hey, the Von Wagner change. Award of Improvement. And he might win the award. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real talk, Hila. I'm I am for that because we we gave him hell last year, and rightfully so. But he's he's put in the work, and I I think I think that's a great idea. The most improved, the Von Wagner Award, because I that boy has definitely put in the work and the time, and you can see the difference. He's so much better. I'm proud of him because it takes a lot to get better and to go in the lab and finesse and work and figure it out. He's still got a way to, a ways to go. But the fact he's learned from a year to be in, in this position again and deliver, he's got a bright future. I'm very proud of him. That's why I said last week he gets half a biscuit from me. <laughs> That's still crazy. Imagine that boy, that boy standing across from you looking at you eating that half a biscuit. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. Is that dude sitting in the booth looking at you with half a biscuit? You got the other half? What you do with the other half of the biscuit? And so, because, you know, normally, like, when you split something with somebody or you break something in half, whoever breaks it, the other person gets to pick which half they want. So how how you going about this? I'll give him the bigger piece. I'll be fair. I'll be you, decent. You got this man sitting in the booth eating half a biscuit while, while Lou would go over there with a whole basket. <laughs> Well, if Vaughn wants to be like Ludwig, get on his level. No get doubt. on his level. No doubt. <laughs> Maybe you get two biscuits next time. No but doubt. until then, you have your half a biscuit for improvement. Okay? 
That's all you're getting out of me. I'm being nice. You're growing on me a little bit, Vaughn. Damn it. Couldn't say that last year. I wanted you gone, but you've improved. And I respect you, sir. We respect you. <sighs> okay, that broke me. Like a good <laughs> I also want to say this. I'm getting to the point now where I'm ready to see Vaughn drop Ed Stone, too. Yes, agreed. He can go. Yes. I think that's run its course. And I think Vaughn has shown that he can talk just fine. And now I think that's where he just needs to be on his own, kind of out there talking to up that part of his game. But I think I'm ready to see him kind of mingling on his own. He doesn't need him. Like he's just he's just there and he doesn't really add anything to it for me personally. You really call that man Ed Stone? <laughs> Did I call him Ed Stone? You called him Robert Ed Stone. Stone. You tried him. <laughs> Oh my God! Who is Ed Stone? Where did I get Ed Stone from? I don't know. I th- is it Mr. Slate from the Flintstones? Who you're talking about? I don't know. No, who is Ed Stone? Stone. Who is that? Do I have to Google? Okay, live googling on the rap. Who is Ed Stone? It might be a. I maybe I just made him up. Robert Stone. <laughs> Ed, Ed Stone. Stone. I'm I'm on Google right now. Ed Stone. Let's see. Ed Stone is. An American space scientist. What? <laughs> from NASA. And and ironically enough, Scott, he just retired. Well, there you go. I must have saw it on the, the U must have read it in the USA Today when I had my morning coffee. <laughs> yes, born in 1936, 86 year 86 years old. Just ain't retired on me, really? Okay. What you been um, doing with NASA <laughs> until 86, though? <laughs> He was trying to find the final frontier. That's what he was trying to do. All right. So that was our educational portion of the rap today. <laughs> why, why he didn't just call Elon, hey, can I get a ride on one of them one of them things y'all got going up to space? One of them uh, shuttles y'all got going up there? Let me, let me catch a ride on one of them before I retire. I'm trying to find the final frontier. The, the next SpaceX flight, please, to the moon. Okay. <laughs> All right, so that was a nice NASA lesson on the wrap as we move on to something that was kind of bizarre on Tuesday. Now, the match was good. I loved Apollo Crews versus J.D. McDonough. Very surprising outcome with Apollo winning, and I'm approving of the matchup we're going to get, presumably, between Apollo Crews and Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship at deadline. But I got to call out the Apollo Crews hater section. I was looking very intently at three people holding signs saying Apollo sucks, boo Apollo, mm-hmm. Apollo sucks. Like what is going on here? Who is hating on Apollo? So the match was good, but I was distracted by all of this. I love the back and forth between JD and Apollo. The Spanish fly was cool. The avalanche followaway slam by Apollo was awesome. The back and forth was great. The flying was cool. And then he wins with that choke bomb. But the player haters, I was looking at them wondering why did you hate Apollo? All three of you, for some strange reason. Well, they also hated Wesley, so I, you know, there could be, could be something there. Um, I didn't even notice that. I, uh, I, I, I'm now I'm kind of curious and kind of want to go back and see and check that out because, you know, NXT do stay with some haters when it comes to their time. Like Braun got a lot of haters for some reason. I, I. I have no idea why you hate Braun because you're you're literally seeing a future top guy develop and grow in front of you, and and be great in front of you right now. Like I, I 
Yeah, NXT stay with some haters. The match was great. I, I this was JD has been just he's on a roll. Like he is on a roll. I think he's excellent. And this match just goes to show it. Apollo Crews got to get a new finisher. Like mm-hmm. I think he has. I what is this? What is that choke? What is that? That's your finisher, dude. That's a great like transition move. That's a great counter. But as your finisher, you really think you not choke slamming Braun Breaker like that? You ain't getting that man up like that. Like what? Where's the where is that uh that high angle um power bomb that you know or that back suplex power bomb he was doing? Where's the angle slam he was throwing? Why you aren't using that? Where's the gorilla press into the moonsault he was using in NXT? I you want to go with the choke bomb? Nah, bro. You beating JD with that? Like I think JD deserves better, you know? I don't know. I think JD should have I think JD should be the guy to take the title off Braun, but I really feel like it could be Apollo Crews. Like, hey, they're really building them up for this match. I hope Braun beats him, but I, I think Apollo could end up beating Braun Breaker for this title. It's possible. And I will say I was kind of mixed on the outcome because JD was getting a lot of wins over Ilya Dragunov. He beat down right. Axiom. He was very dominant and getting these guys to quit. I mean, to give up because the pain was too much for them to bear. And with Apollo, I felt like when he first came back, that could have been a match I could have done at like Amer- at the Great American Bash because it was hot then. And I was looking forward to it because these two guys that are big, but they're agile, they're athletic, they can do crazy shit. And I'm like, we waited maybe six months too late. I hate to say that because right now JD's a hotter guy that's been having the matches that stand out a bit more. And I love Apollo, but I feel like in this case, Sean might have waited a bit too long for them to pull the trigger on this match because right now, Apollo's not as hot and we have the player hater section telling us that via those signs and I'm like I don't approve of that but I do understand why Apollo's a bit cold right now because JD's a hotter hand in terms of what he's been doing as of late and ironically enough he's gotten hot when his push came earlier and that kind of derailed things for him until now so it's a lot of confusion as to getting hot at the wrong time and then getting hot at the right time and then these two not quite meeting accordingly for whatever reason well and the other part of it is we had to wait for apollo cruz's powers to develop <laughs> um you know he had to uh had to develop those that's so raven powers where he can see the future and you know we, and we go into his eye and there's the future all of a sudden so um <laughs> you know, and he had that, that great feud with Grayson Waller where he took him under the ring and Waller came out and his eyes were all, and everybody's eyes just started bleeding. He like, we want to talk about the horror show where the Miz and Damian Priest were fighting off zombies. Here we go. Round two. I mean, like, what do we do? I, that's, that's why nobody, that's why this match isn't as hot as it is. We had Apollo doing a horror movie thing. And so, you know, I, I'm with you on the JD thing. Like, he had been making dudes submit, tap out, snapping bones. And now he's, you know, he just takes a loss. And I, and again, the move, it, and maybe it's just me, but that move itself is just not it for me. And I, there's, I don't think this match had to happen. I don't feel like he had to beat JD. And this is where you need to have other people built up. But he didn't have to beat JD. This is where... He can cut a promo and Von Wagner. This is where Von Wagner comes in. This is where he needs to beat a Von Wagner to get to the Braun Breaker. 
because Vaughn's like, yo, I, I had him. I had him on the ropes. I want another shot. And Apollo's like, nah, I got next. You beat the Von Wagner. Von Wagner can take that loss. Von Wagner can take a loss to an Apollo Crews where JD is being built back up after just coming off multiple losses for the title anyway. Like, there are so many logical ways to do this. And Apollo Crews can actually cut a promo and be a normal human instead of this superhuman that he tries to be, this that's so Raven knockoff. So I just feel like there's so many different and more logical ways to get to this destination they're trying to get to. Agreed. And I will never forget the time that Vic Joseph told us what he saw. <laughs> God, how do <laughs> you do that? How do you see somebody's vision on the commentary <laughs> desk? He said <laughs> that I saw what Apollo saw. I was in his eye. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and I saw his vision. And at this point, the whole thing jumped the shark. Like, how did you see his vision from his eye? I wish Booker was on commentary when that happened. Booker would have been like, what the hell? Like, you talking? <laughs> I wish Booker T would have been on commentary when he said, <laughs> I went in his eye and saw the vision. Booker would have been like, oh, hell no. I ain't do that. I ain't see nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Booker T ain't playing that nonsense. I, hell no, I ain't going with that. I ain't see that. Ain't no vision. What you mean you saw it on the monitor? He see that in his eye. What you talking about? He says, it's the devil's work and I'm gone. He would have left. Yeah, Booker ain't playing that nonsense. Y'all ain't playing with me. Oh, I need to go back in time. Now, Booker needed to be there for that. If he said, I went in his eye and I saw the vision too. Booker like, what the hell are you talking about? I didn't see anything. Yeah. They try to get in that man's eye. Y'all talking that crazy talk. I don't, Booker be like, I don't know what y'all talking about, but we got to move on. Shuck it, duck it. We got to move on. <laughs> I need Apollo to have one more vision just for that alone. <laughs> what, what's what's going to happen in this one? Braun Breaker's going to like snap, come out with a broken arm or something. He's going to have a vision of Braun injuring his ankle. What's going to happen this time? Because last time it was a it was a Grayson Waller and his eyes were all bloodshot in the camera when he took his sunglasses off. So what, what's it going to be this time? I need something dramatic so Booker can like freak out. I need this. We need this now. We need Booker's perspective on this. Let's just go all in. It needs to involve Booker. It needs to. I need him to. They need to cut the camera to Booker and like book. Did you see it? Did you see it through Apollo's eyes? Tell me, did you just see that? And he needs to say it exactly like that, too. Tell me. (laughs) Did I just see that? I did not (laughs) just see that. Please, Sean, please book this into existence. I beg of thee. All right. So I've been broken two times in the show now. (laughs) Breaking records here. I think we have about two more to go as we segue to Zoe Stark's promo as to why she did what she did to Nikita Lyons last Tuesday on NXT. And she says, you know what? I had an injury nine months ago. I came back. I lost to Mandy Rose. Then management told me, you're teaming up with Nikita Lyons in this women's tag team tournament on the main roster. I get hurt. And then we have to come back here. And we vie for these titles two times. And I carry Nikita on my back. And she lets me down. And therefore, you guys let me down because you care about her assets more than me. I'm a force. I'm undeniable. You're not Cody Rhodes. I'm this. I'm that. I'm blah, 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 blah. And when you blame the fans, I no longer care. And on top of that, 
it was a very rough first to a promo for her. It was very one note. And as I always say, speaking loudly does not mean that you're just exuding anger. You're just talking loud and there's no passion behind it. I need a bit more. If she gets more comfortable on the mic, I will buy in. And I think she'll kill it in the ring because she's a great wrestler. But in terms of this performance, I thought it was a bit lacking for me. Oh, I thought it was awful. I, I thought I thought the promo was really bad. I thought her delivery was all over the place. She was like really focusing in on the wrong word, like really enunciating certain words that didn't need the extra oomph onto them. And like you could tell that she had rehearsed this a lot. This didn't feel natural. I this is why I think Nikita would have just been a natural in this heel role. I think Nikita Lyons would have been great right here. I think she would have cut a great heel promo. This just was not it. And, you know, maybe it's maybe it's because she doesn't believe what she's saying. And if that's the case, that's fine. But then you can't put her out there for, her, for what felt. It felt like an eight minute promo segment. I don't know how long it was, but it felt like it felt like a Miz TV segment way too long when Johnny Gargano comes out. And like, yeah, it, it, this was not good, um, you know. Not looking forward to the match now, and I don't really care about the feud. I'm kind of on the same fence. I'm trying to remember that I have my earbuds on listening to a GH Spaces during her promo. <laughs> if I did, I'm being really shady right now. That's your go-to when you do not care about something. I don't right, give a let's shit. Pop these in. <laughs> let me pop. The, let me pop the earpieces in. Oh, there's a GH space. I'm gonna go in here and laugh because this segment sucks. I did it for <laughs> for Crown Jewel for Drew and Karrion Cross. I might have did it for Zoe Stark. I don't recall, but if I did, then that tells you all that you need to know about this segment. It wasn't good. Mm-mm. No. So let's focus now on our main event, which was Mandy Rose versus Alpha Fire for the NXT Women's Championship match in a last woman standing match. And, you know, this match wasn't bad. I liked it. I thought that Mandy and Alpha Fire worked well together. They worked really hard. I love some of the spots in the match. Alpha Fire was flying all over the place with sentons and flip dives onto Mandy Rose. I loved the closing stretch of them just fighting it out, and it was very convincing. I loved how Alba kicked Mandy in midair. She jumped through the oh, jumped over the barricade to dive on her, and then she's a gory bomb special on the ring apron. She pulls out a ladder, and she's going to splash Mandy through the announce table with a swanton bomb. But out of nowhere, and I'm confused how I say her name because I heard it two ways. Isla Don, Isla Don from NXT UK pops up, and she sprays mist. And Alba Fire's face, I didn't see what color it was. Pretty clear to me. And she falls off the ladder through the table. Mandy gets up before the count of 10 to retain her championship. And as we predicted, Alba Fire will find a way to lose with or without toxic attraction. And I don't care. I have not cared since Halloween Havoc. I don't care now. And Isla Don, Isla Don, welcome congratulations hopefully you make a difference but i did not care for the finish of this match as mandy survives another day as champion good for her and the question becomes who in the hell beats mandy for this championship yeah i um the match was fine you know again another plug for our patreon special coming up i just watched kaylee ray and alba fire doesn't hold a candle so um and that's 
you know, Alba Fire is not a knock on her. It's the same, you know, same person, but they are completely different workers. So match was fine. I'm kind of, I'm with you. Like we're, and you know, this is kind of the story of the NXT women's division right now. You know, there's, there's not a lot really to get excited about and to really care about. Like who were the standout women in NXT? Like we've talked about the men in Von Von Wagner, Braun Breaker, and these guys who have gotten better. Where are the women? Like Tiffany Stratton was somebody that we were really high on, who was improving, who was putting in the work. She had a nice match with Wendy Chu where she was getting body slammed on Legos. And then she was gone. I know she had some – she had a surgery or she had some stuff done. You know, she had to take care of herself, and that's fine. Um, but, like, who else are we – like, who else can be in that conversation? You know, like, who else can be in that conversation for the women that you even care about? Because I, we just talked about Zoe Stark and Nikita Lyons. That's supposed to be important. I'm not a big fan of the tag champions. And neither of us really care about what's going on with, with this right here. You know, Mandy Rose has established herself, but who who's it's not who's next, it's who's left. It's staggering. Dare I say this might be the weakest the NXT women's division has ever been. And for a very long time, this was this brand strong suit that like you couldn't miss with the women's match on NXT. And now this division is so thin. And I could only think of maybe Roxanne Perez. That's it. The only viable option that can beat Mandy Rose. And she had a shot a couple of months ago when Cora Jade cost her the championship. So I don't know who's out there. Wendy Chu, I love her not in this character right now. I see potential Tiffany Stratton when she comes back. But as you said, this is the thinnest this division has ever been. Where is Blair Davenport? She's been missing since Worlds Collide. Where's Miko Satamora? Just the lack of depth on this show. People not quite ready for prime time. Indy Hartwell, no. Fallon Henley, not yet. Tatum Paxley, no. Ivy Nile, an option if you push her. I see some people on Level Up that I like, but they're not ready either. So this needs to be looked into for 2023 to improve the depth and talent of this division because right now it is in pretty rough shape and a couple of years ago it was a tag team division going through it now it's the women's division which was the arm of this brand and now that's not the case and it's a damn shame i think it's gonna be cora jade i think that's gonna be the one who ends up beating mandy rose mandy rose is pretty much she's a baby face in that in that building no matter who she faces, people people love Mandy Rose there. And I think that would be the ultimate heel heat in that building would be Cora Jade beating her. So I think it's going to be Cora Jade. At some point, I don't know when, but I think it's going to be Cora Jade. I just keep going back to every time they try to do a singles match, they kept adding people to her match. <laughs> they might wasn't still ready. do that. They still might do that if she's not ready for a singles match for a championship when Natalia can't guide her through it. That's scary. Yeah, that's true. The training wheels got to come off at some she, point. She did okay. She did fine with um with Roxanne. They did, they had a nice match. Yes, yeah, so it was overbooked to shit, and they did a trust fall. But I'm only more than that. No doubt. So I, I and I liked Cora J this time last year. 
But when you have to add people to your championship matches, they tell me you ain't ready for the singles aspects of things. They have to cover and protect you. And hopefully that ends soon if she continues to show improvement in singles matches, which she did a few weeks ago against, I believe, Valentina Feroz. That was a nice performance by her, but it was still short. So we'll see how she goes in a long form match whenever she vies for a championship again. As we move on to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox a couple of days ago. And I thought this was an all right show with some serious flaws, which we'll get to momentarily. But a high, a high mark was Ricochet versus Mustafa Ali in a SmackDown World Cup quarterfinals match. Now, the booking of Ali has been a choice, as we've mentioned many times on this show today. But this match was great between Ricochet and Ali. Ali sold the ribs throughout. He was able to do an avalanche backstabber on Ricochet at one point, which I liked a lot. Ricochet was coming through with things we have not seen from him on the main roster, including scooping up a dive by Ali into a Mishinoku driver on the floor. Then to Pop Scott, I'm going to call Ricochet Ricochet Omega because the dude did a Snapdragon suplex into a Lariat, into a Moonsault. Like, okay, Ricochet Omega, come through the door. Ali fights back with the DDT. They both go up top for a bit, but Ricochet lands a standing shooting star press on Ali for the win. I really enjoyed this match. The fans got into it because they recognize the talent of both guys, but you know, Ali eats the loss. Ricochet gets the W moves on to the semifinals with really good work by Ricochet Omega. So we kind of touched on earlier when it comes to Ali. So I'll leave him alone, but yeah, you know, I that the Snapdragon suplex that Omega throws is one of my favorite <laughs> mm-hmm. moves in just in wrestling. I, I think it's I love the way that that torque he throws it. and the the Ricochet Omega. <laughs> I hope that stays in his arsenal because <laughs> that's I I thought it was a great move. I loved it. And these this is the honestly like this is kind of the difference for me between WWE and AEW. This would have felt like a big deal in AEW. Like they would have had a moment. The fans would have went crazy. They'd be like, they'd be just going nuts. And here it feels like they're having a good match, but they could be doing so much more. Like for me, and I don't know if it felt like this for you, Keela, but it just felt like they were holding back. As good as the match was, I felt like they could have went another five, 10 minutes and really went after it. Um, I did love the finish. I thought the shooting star. Uh, this into the standing Mustafa was great. Uh, him catching him on the dive, John Cena style with the roll through into that the outside um, Mishinoku driver, like you said, was great. Um, I I, I love the little bit extra viciousness that I, that Ricochet had. I like that Ali took advantage of Ricochet not going after him because he was selling, you know, because he was like, man, he's hurting. Ali was like, man, I'm not going to keep letting you get away with that. And he went after him. So that was good. But again, if you if you take care of your baby faces and you don't treat them like trash a week, you know, earlier in the week, this match means more. But it was fine. And it's very convenient that WWE has two wrestlers representing USA advance to the next round. So that way there's guaranteed a USA representative in the finals of this World Cup. Um, which gives away a USA person's gonna win. So of course, in WWE, a person from USA has to win. America versus America, I tell you. That's how we do it here. And it's quite ironic how it all plays out that way. Fixing it for America. But I really enjoyed this match. I do agree with you that they could have done more. But unfortunately, Ali had to sell ribs 
if he didn't get if he didn't get beat up on Monday. Right. <laughs> See, it all goes back to that. If they want to toss this man out the frame and then have Bobby Lashley just maul him, <laughs> they could add a, a nice they could add a 15 minute sprint. Instead, this dude got to make a move and then go, ah, my stomach. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he could have had a great match, but he, he got to have a tummy ache. You know what I'm saying? I just don't get it. We had to have psychology. I guess. For this match, of all matches. Right. Like This is the one you can't let us have a spot fest. You can't just let these dudes just do whatever they want. <laughs> no, because Ali must show and exude pain. They got to tell must a story. Act. Yes, for this match of all matches. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, right, man. Ah, oh, killed my high. Thanks a lot, <laughs> WWE. Bastards. Keela had just finished her, her GH spaces and was feeling real good and came back to the match <laughs> and was expecting to spot this. Like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. And they out there t- they out there trying to tell a story. They out there Shakespeare. I said, let me go back to Sprina. Let me get my ears back on. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> let me go back to where I'm happy, you bastards. Uh... But I, I took the earbuds off, you know. I, I took them back off. Being facetious here. There was no spaces at this time. <laughs> so I got back to my happy place because Sammy Zayn was back this week. And I don't know what it was. He was looking extra, you know, he was getting five biscuits out of me this week. Okay. Not going to oh, lie. Stop it. <laughs> it might have been the hair. I don't know. He looked extra happy, which made me happy. But what made me really happy was the fact that he broke Jey Uso again. Because it was a backstage segment. And, you know, they had the pep talk backstage. Sammy, you said you was going to guarantee victory. Are you going to do it? Jay's trying to hype up Sammy. And they're getting into a little bit of an argument. And Sammy's sure I got it. So he leaves the room. We think the scene's over, right? So Sammy comes back to dap up Jimmy Uso. And they do their little secret handshake. And Jay, who is supposed to be angry and pissed off, and annoyed, covers his face because Sami Zayn got him again. And the highlight outside of that was Sami looking directly at Jay, realizing, I got your ass. And he tries not to break character either as he leaves the room. This, once again, was art. Yeah, very infectious. Um this is all going to be, again, all of this is going to be great for when the bloodline decides to turn on Sammy and whoop that tail. So I, I love all of this. Jey Uso tries. It, it seems like it, it's definitely a weekly thing. I'm wondering if Sammy breaks him, if Uso has to, if Jay has to buy dinner, you know, and if he doesn't break him that week, <laughs> if Sammy has to buy dinner. I wonder if, if that's the ongoing bet. Whoever breaks first this week has, because it seems like after the first person breaks, the floodgates open up. So I wonder if that's the whole thing. Whoever breaks first has to buy dinner for the family that night. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's very easy to get behind because you could tell that they're all really enjoying it. So um, right now, it's the best story in WWE. Easily, easily, easily. I love it. As we move on to an interesting story in WWE involving LA Knight beefing with with Bray Wyatt. I was having this as a topic last week, but we ran out of time. But we got time today to talk about this. Because, you know, we were talking about Bray Wyatt for weeks. You know, he was feuding with himself. I said, we need to find somebody for you to feud with because I ain't here for you fighting with yourself. And if you have Uncle Howdy, he needs to be your brother, bro. So we ain't here for this talking to yourself every week. It was getting a bit tedious. So thankfully, 
we're going to get our first feud with LA Knight of all people. And that's a great first feud because LA Knight can talk his shit. It's what he does best, and I respect him for it. So Bray Wyatt comes out, this very elaborate entrance, talks about the demons he's been fighting. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Should he relish the darkness? Should he be a good guy? Can he try to be the man he's supposed to be? LA Knight comes out, they get into it a little bit, and Bray Wyatt's trying to be the bigger man here. He apologizes for the headbutt last week during their backstage segment. So LA Knight responds by slapping Bray Wyatt in the face and Bray takes it and he's like okay cool you get one free shot I'm gonna shake your hand it's all good LA Knight slaps him again and runs for his life and we have the background flashing of Bray's graphic whoever he's supposed to be and Bray Wyatt's look his eyes did not blink for a solid minute. He was zoned out, gone, pissed off, angry. And I thought to myself, LA Knight, you are a dead man. And sure enough, later in the show, as LA Knight was leaving the building, there was a maxed figure behind him. And then we go backstage and he is beat up trash cans all over him. He has been ambushed by who we don't know, presumably one of Bray Wyatt's alters. But for what this was, I liked it. And as we kept clamoring for he needed a feud and not against himself. So give me LA Knight to get fed to you, courtesy of Bray Wyatt. And I'll say this. If it's anybody but Bray Wyatt that LA Knight's feuding with, LA Knight ends up just overwhelming them and, and just smothering them on the microphone. Because I thought he was really good here. It was I, I think LA Knight is going to end up being one of the one of the best talkers in the entire company. When it's all said and done, and that's what's going to get him over. Um, I mean, he's already. Let me talk to you. He's getting real natural in there. He's not doing no yes because he knows that's going to get over. So that's good. Um, Bray Wyatt is a walking horror movie. This dude needs to be making horror films and horror TV shows. Um, let's see if I really want to see him wrestle as much as I want to see him make these horror movies. That's that's the key here. That's where LA Knight comes in because I want to see LA Knight wrestle. I want to see this feud happen. And they and this was a really good job of making me want to see Bray Wyatt get his hands on him. I like this story of Bray trying his hardest to do the right thing and be a good guy, but people around him are making him do these bad things and making him embrace the evil side. I think that's a very interesting take. Because he's trying to do the right thing, but bad people around him are turning him bad, are making him evil. That's a very interesting story. I, I, I like that, and I'm very intrigued by it. Me too. It's different. It's not over the top. It's just right. It's a sweet spot that he's hitting perfectly right now. And I just love his promos. It's a hybrid of what he used to be as the OG cult leader 10 years ago. I like this dynamic a lot. And I'm glad that WWE stopped being reliant on the Big Tron to give us cliffhangers every week. Let's introduce his characters in real time against LA Knight. Get his ass beat in a phantom attack. He doesn't know who did it. Bray Wyatt can claim I didn't do it. And then we keep the feud going. Now the match, we're going to see because that's the question mark. Can Bray Wyatt deliver in the ring. Can his matches be compelling? I hope so, because this character and the characters, I'm digging, but the ring work has got to match for me to care at the end of the day. Yeah, and Bray has proven that he can have good matches. Like, 
You know, the one everyone talks about is his match with Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble, which is arguably his best singles match he's ever had. Fantastic match. Uh, but he's had great matches. You know, he's had good matches with Roman Reigns. He's had good matches with Dean Ambrose when they weren't doing the over-the-top, you know, all that crazy stuff. He had a good match uh, with Randy Orton. He had a good match with John Cena. Like, he's had good matches. No, I'm not talking about the WrestleMania one, but they're – um, uh, I think it was a last man standing or, or something like that. They had an extreme rules, but so he's proven that he can do it. It's just, can he do it consistently? Like he seems to be best when he's in a tag team or he's in some type of group, like his best matches are his six mans versus the shield or, you know, they had a really good tag match versus CM Punk and Daniel Bryan at survivor series. So like, I, th- him as a singles is going to be the real test. And Ellie Knight's an interesting person because he's not somebody that's really known for being this in-ring technician. That, and that's not me saying that he's bad by any stretch because he's not, but that's a very interesting first in-ring opponent if that is the case. So yeah, this is this should be a very interesting test. That's, I guess, the third match that we can go ahead and put on for Survivor Series. And there's not much else going on on the show apparently. No, we got Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. Oh, that's right. That's right. And we got Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi, which is going to be a clinic for Ronda Rousey. Poor Shotzi. <sighs> Poor Shotzi. Don't deserve it, but she's going to get the smoke regardless. Well. So, you know. Oh, look at you saying she does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm here for a good Ronda mall. Listen, I told you whenever she first turned, I'm here for the Ronda just mauling people over until Becky comes back. I'm all for it. And we desperately need Becky to come back because this division still needs Jesus. It's rough. Or the man. One of the two. One of the two. Either or, I'll take it at this point. Hopefully by the Warrior Rumble, she's back on SmackDown. They need the star power desperately. As we segue to the one topic that I warned Scott about (sighs) on our Patreon that you're here later this week. This was off air, but I warned him that you're going to see something disturbing on SmackDown, something that I thought I would never see in my life, but I saw it and I had to tell him about it. And I warned him ahead of time, beware what you're about to see. So Gunther, <sighs> a man I would also share cheddar biscuits with, not as much with as much as Ludwig, but I would give him a few. My guy, Intercontinental Champion, has fought battles against Pete Dunne Elio Dragunov, Sheamus, some of the greats in WWE today. And he was face to face with the monster among monsters, Braun Strowman. Now, I'm all about a big hoss battle. I'm all about a fight. I'm all about two guys going at it. But my guy, Gunther, ran from Braun Strowman. Oh, God. He he jumped out of the ring in fear and said, I wasn't ready. So eventually, from behind, he got ready to confront Braun Strowman. He chopped Braun Strowman. And Braun no-sold the chop. That was strike two. So Gunther tries again. Second time. Braun tries no sell, but it stings a little bit. His soul was trying to jump out his chest for a minute, and he had to push it back in. 
and he tried to no sell it. Then Gunther ran again, ran for his life against a man that can't fucking run fast. He had to slow down. And then he ran some more by having my guy, Ludwig, get hit with the midnight hour by the New Day's Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods to lose this match as Gunther let his guy fall for the count. Imperium lost, and my guy Gunther was scared. He was wimpy. He was giving off bitch vibes, and I'm offended. Yeah, this uh, this was not a good segment. Uh, you know, the crowd loved it. They were very invested in it. I'm actually really looking forward to the Braun Gunther match because he's going to win the tournament. So I'm really looking forward to the actual match. But the fact that they have Gunther running from this man is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, we we had put over the chop in the match with Sheamus. We built up the chop. And, you know, whenever he hit it, it was felt. And for Braun to just kind of no-sell it, it just kind of, you know, defeats the purpose of building up the move in the first place. Um, you know, you could have done all of that. You I'm, you could have even, you know, as much as I despise it, you could have had Gunther running away from Braun and, and, and doing all that and being the heel, you know, just because you want him to be the heel. And that's fine if you want to do it like that. I don't agree with it, but that's fine. But when he hits the chop, it should mean something. You know, he should he should be buckled. And if it takes two or three chops, that's fine. But he should feel them. You know, he should that first chop should buckle him and he should, you know, he should feel it and it should be like, whoa, hold on. That second chop should take him to his knees, and then that third chop should put him down. Like there are ways that you can do this, put Braun over as a monster that that Gunther doesn't want to face, because that's fine. You can you can have Gunther have a look like yo I really don't want to wrestle this guy. I don't again, I don't agree with it. But you can do that and still have Gunther be presented as this monster by landing these chops. And and when he hits him, Braun takes a minute and is like, "Whoa, hold on. I got to I can't I can't walk through that." Because the only reason he did it on the second one was because it hurt for real. Like that was a real wince of pain that he let out because he was supposed to no sell that. So again, there, there are just, uh, there's just other ways to get to this destination that they're trying to get to instead of the way they're doing it. And they've built up Gunther so well. They've done such a good job of presenting him as this honestly fighting intercontinental champion who takes on all comers and welcomes any challenge. And now he's afraid of Braun. What reason does he have to be afraid of Braun? I mean, why? Why would he be afraid of Braun Strowman? So, you know, it's just, it's silly, man. You've built up this guy as his great champion, and now he's afraid of, he's afraid of Braun. I just don't get it. It's offensive to me. It really is. Like, think about Sheamus and Gunther. He didn't run from Sheamus. He's not scared of anybody, but he's scared of Braun Strowman, a lesser worker, no offense to him, than Sheamus. Like, Braun Strowman barely beat Omos at Crown Jewel. I'm supposed to be scared of Braun Strowman? Gunther, my guy? Walter? Walter wouldn't run. 
But I digress. We're going to be all right. Now, surprisingly enough, the match will be good. But I don't want no selling Braun, no selling Gunther. That would be dumb. But let's not bury the lead, Scott, shall we? Because we know what the semifinals match is going to be, right? It's going to be Flippy Flop, Ricochet, Omega versus Braun Strowman. And this is going to be highly entertaining because Braun Strowman has no respect for Flippy Flop wrestlers. His words, not mine. Braun going to beat the hell out of Ricochet. <laughs> Braun is going to beat the hell out of Ricochet. Ricochet, that smirk, again, Braun gave off a lot of real stuff on this show, I felt like. That smirk he gave at the end was like, <laughs> all right, you know you're wrestling me next week, right? That's what that smirk looked like to me because Ricochet, Ricochet, you know, the flippy flippers, your words, not mine, like me. <laughs> I, I was like, word, Ricochet, that's the most personality I've seen you do since you flipped in front of Velveteen Dream and told him to show you something. <laughs> but you better be careful saying that to Velveteen Dream. Uh-oh. <laughs> but um, going on to uh, Braun Strowman, I, you know, it, this is, again, <laughs> are they, is this Triple H being petty? Is this petty Triple H? You got Ricochet and Braun Strowman going in a match against when they just had their little exchange. Like, really? That's what y'all doing? Y'all doing that? Y'all, y'all really trying to get somebody beat up for real? Like, he, he gonna power bomb the hell out of Ricochet. This is about to be a shoot fight. <laughs> I'm not mad at it, but I do wonder whose side Triple H is really on because he does love Ricochet too. He does. He does. So is he gonna be like, hmm? Let's really shock the world. And give Ricochet a win by some miracle. You know what? I could see Gunther interfering in the match. Mm-hmm. And costing him the match against Ricochet. And being like, you know what? I'd much rather wrestle him or Santos than... <laughs> and then Because him or Santos would be a very fun final. Yes. Um, and, and Santos could win. You could do him versus Gunther. Or Ricochet could win and him versus Gunther would be fun too. So, you know what? I, I was almost certain Braun would win, but... Now, maybe not as certain. I could see Ricochet winning. And then, I mean, the flippy flipper line and stuff. Like, I'm not as sold now on Braun Strowman winning. I could see Gunther interfering in that match. And they can save that match for later. Right. Maybe at the Warrior Rumble, since we have like two months between pay-per-views now. So that's a possibility. I'm sold on it. We'll see how it goes. But I would love an upset just to piss off Braun Strowman for real. To get back at those flippy flop comments. Just saying. That would we'll, we'll answer a lot of questions if he loses that match, especially about whose side he's on. Oh, yeah. We'll know very, very soon. And I cannot wait. As we segue to the main event segment involving Sami Zayn versus Butch in another quarterfinals match in the SmackDown World Cup. Now, the match, I have to say, was a backdrop to all things war games involving the bloodline and the brawling brutes alongside Drew McIntyre, who's now a part of that Survivor Series team alongside Sheamus, Butch, and Rich Holland. And I love the fact that Sheamus is, listen, this is my road dog. We've been fighting for 20 years. He was the best man in my wedding. So we're good now. We're friends. He's going to be a part of my crew at Survivor Series. And I liked it. So this gets to our main event. Butch beat Sami Zayn. It was a good match. Jay interferes and calls Sami the victory. So we got the Brutes and we got the bloodline fighting. And then daddy comes home in the form of the tribal chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. He comes through and the beatdown is on. But there is subtle storytelling because we got Drew and Roman going at it. We got Sheamus and Roman going at it. But then Sami Zayn is laid out. 
And did you notice how Roman looked at Sammy for failing to beat Butch? He was about to kill him until Kevin Owens came out. And when Kevin Owens came out, that was a pop. That was a moment. We heard about the knee injury. He was not limping last night, came through, went face to face with Sami Zayn when he woke up. And everybody was like, oh, shit, here we go. And then it's Roman and Kevin, a fight we've been waiting for for a long time. To me, Kevin, one of the few people that can beat Roman Reigns, believably so, for that championship, tried on multiple occasions, only man never to be visually pinned by Roman Reigns, for the record. So he stuns Roman with a stunner, and Roman scurries away. But the story is, Roman almost killing Sammy, and Sammy and KO confronting each other ahead of war games. This match and the stories to be told is going to be everything. Yeah, this could be a really good match. And, you know, I for me, what really stood out was Roman Reigns, when he came out and walked to the ring, that crowd never stopped cheering, making noise from the moment he stepped through the curtain until the end of the show. And that's all Roman Reigns. That is all Roman Reigns. He, I mean, I don't know how people can say like he's not a draw. Like he's not a draw. Like people, people pay attention to that show because Roman, like when Roman came out, everybody was on him. Eyes were all on him. Even when KO came out, it was the reason that moment was so big was because Roman Reigns was in there. Like, Roman's the guy right now in wrestling, for my money. He's the guy. Like, you know, we're recording this on, uh, on you know, break a little kayfabe. We're recording this when All Out or Full Gear is going on. So maybe MJF might become the guy by the time we finish recording this. But Roman's the guy. And that reaction he's getting, man, and being able to just you know, give off to the rest of the bloodline. And even Sami Zayn has been able to really build off of that. I, I just think it's a testament to how over Roman is. Great segment. Kevin Owens is a, a great foil and a great piece that kind of adds a lot of intrigue to the story. Um, you know, I, I could easily, I, I, again, Triple H books, how he was booked as champion. I fully expect the bloodline to lose this match. Because that's what would happen if Triple H was champion in something like this. Now, normally Triple H would get pinned. He would get pinned by whoever was going to be up next to challenge him. I don't think Roman's going to take that. Roman's not going to take that loss. So he's definitely not tapping. But he's not going to take that loss. I think it's going to be Sammy who's going to end up taking this loss in this match. Um, that's going to be the only difference. But I fully expect the bloodline to lose. And maybe even KO pin Sammy. I think the exact same thing. I think the KO pinned Sammy. The fallout on SmackDown is going to be scary. We're going to pray for Sammy because we're reaching a breaking point. Jay's going to be so hype. He's going to be excited. Like, (laughs) I finally get to fuck this man up. I finally get to kick this son of a bitch out of our bloodline. This fake ass ooze. It's Christmas for Jay. Jimmy will feel remorse. Solo might care. Roman has no fucks to give. Jay is Christmas. Give me Sammy. Take off his shirt. Let me cut his hair. I am fucking him up. And I am here for the pettiness. 
Yeah, I thought that man was excited when he took that shirt off of him. <laughs> Wait till you see that man <laughs> he went roaming about to lay into him. That dude is going to be clapping. He is going to be jumping up and down. Jimmy going to be all sad in the corner. God dang, dude, I got to super kick this man. Jay going to be like, ooh, let's get it. Let's go. Let's get it. He is going to be fired up. He ain't even going to wait. He not even going to wait for Roman. He just going to super kick that man. Roman like, what are you doing, dude? I wasn't even going to attack him. It's going to be something like that. But yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great watching Jay's reaction to it all. And then I will cry because then Sammy's getting beat down like this. And Jimmy might do the Shawn Michaels. I'm sorry. I love you. Kick him in the face. I mean, he's going to feel really bad about this, but I'm going to be here for it because we got to get to the next step of Sammy being a babyface with KO, facing the Usos for the championships or going after Roman Reigns. You never know. This can go in so many different directions and I'm here for it, but it's going to be a sad day when Sammy gets his ass kicked. And it reminds me of like Jay going off like one of the hyenas from The Lion King when Scar gets turned on. Like they killed your father. Like what? We didn't kill him. You did. Don't pin that on us. But Jay is going to be the excited hyena and kill Sammy because just because he's petty like that. Sammy got it coming, though. Yeah, he's been kicking the hornet's nest for a long time. Oh, you want to break me? You want to break me? I got something for you to break. Mm -hmm. Well, as we plot Sammy's demise, we have one more prediction for war games to go. And this is Team Bianca Belair versus Team Damage Control. Now, Bianca needs one more spot to fill for her team. And I got three names. I'm going to throw it to Scott. And I want him to pick which one seems the most likely scenario to fill out this team. Will it be Candice LeRae? Will it be Beth Phoenix? Or will it be a returning Becky Lynch? I really hope it's not Candice LeRae. I think that would be the most boring option you could do. Becky, uh, not Becky Lynch, Beth Phoenix is an interesting pick, though. I think that's very intriguing. Um, And it's a good way where she wouldn't have to do a full match by herself. She could be a part of something historic. I actually really like the the Beth Phoenix thing. Um, You know, I... I was thinking it was probably just going to be somebody like, like Dewdrop or something, you know, like I wasn't really even putting my expectations that high for a Becky Lynch or, or a, um, or a Beth Phoenix. But I, I think a, a, a Becky, not Becky Lynch, a Beth Phoenix one would be really cool. And she could even win the match. We could get some intriguing stuff with her and Rhea going at it. Yeah. I like the Beth Phoenix one. So I'm going to go with Beth Phoenix out of those three, just, please don't give me Candice LeRae. No. Even though she can deliver now, not going to lie. That's, that is absolutely her match type. Oh, absolutely yes. her type of match. But I don't think that I don't want, I don't want to see her and Mia Yim in the match. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm just being honest. I, I don't need to see her and Mia Yim. Because yeah. Why don't, why don't Mia Yim go? Isn't she in part of the OC now? Don't she need to go support them? wow well Rhea's in this match that's why it kind of levels out but for me like Beth would make the most sense because she's got the biggest beef with Rhea Ripley and I would love to see it and then they they showed the footage of the concerto on Monday 
that was curious timing. So we'll see how it goes when we find out the last person for this team. Now, what would be your finish for this match? Oh, man. So if Beth Phoenix is in it, I'd love for Beth to to pin Rhea Ripley. I know that sounds crazy because it's like, why are you pinning Rhea Ripley? But in a crazy match like this, you could have her like just you could take everybody out and just have all of the baby faces lay into Rhea and hit all their finishers or something like that. Um, if you don't do that, I, I mean, if you beat Bailey again, what are you doing? Like you're just beating Bailey down at that point. I don't want to see Io Shirai taking no losses. I guess Dakota Kai can take it. But they're the tag champions, so you don't want to beat them. I, I, I guess you got to go with uh, Beth Phoenix or Bianca Belair beating um, beating Rhea. I think Rhea Ripley takes the loss here. I'm gonna be a bit more brazen because I'm thinking long term booking. I'm thinking about the face off backstage last week. I would like to see Rhea pin Bianca Belair mm. to set the table for what will be possibly at the Warrior Rumble and or WrestleMania. Message sent. I'm okay with, I just hate seeing Bianca take losses, man. But again, the same, the same way, like I said about Rhea, you can easily have her take two or three big, big moves. She could go through some tables. So there's absolutely ways you could do it. But there was, there, that's a good point. They didn't do that by accident. That was absolutely not done by accident. It was very intentional. Yeah. And I can't wait to see them go at it again because it's always fun, especially now with Rhea as a heel. I'm looking forward to it. So this wraps up our predictions for what we think will happen at Survivor Series. It should be a really good show on Saturday. We'll cover it early Sunday morning right here on Fight Game Media Network, the free feed on all of your favorite podcast channels. Before we go, we're going to offer our match of the week from WWE, whether it's NXT, Raw, SmackDown, Level Up, Main Event Even. So, Scott, what is your pick for your match of the week? I know this is surprising, but I, I really enjoyed that JD-Apollo um, Crews match. I I just really like watching JD wrestle. I, I love watching him wrestle. Um, like, he even got... He got it to the point where he was getting the crowd was chanting JD, 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 and he is full on heel. Like he is full on heel, but he's turning this crowd against. And I know Keela pointed out that Apollo Crews definitely has his haters, but that was more than the haters that were chanting for him. So, yeah, that's that's my. I don't. It probably wasn't the best match of the week, but it was easily my favorite. I JD is slowly becoming one of my favorite wrestlers in the entire brand. Agreed. My go-to pick is Ricochet Omega versus Mr. Farley <laughs> from SmackDown in the World Cup quarterfinals match. I'm not going to let that name go. It was really good. And even though I hated the selling, I thought this was easily the best thing on SmackDown from an in-ring standpoint and both guys delivered. If there was no selling involved, it would have been even better, but I still loved it for what they gave us for a good 15 minutes. I thought you were going to pick uh, Madcap and Cross. Excuse me? And then, and then the bloodline had a nerd to be like, "Hey, Cross, you the fifth man." <laughs> so let's let's think about this, Jimmy and Jay, my brothers. Right. Let's, let's let's think about this. So Karen Cross is going to join a team alongside Drew McIntyre. 
So, um, <laughs> not uh, someone with twenty years that he been fighting with, but just somebody <laughs> he he just met and had planned this this long out thought out plan to get a strap match for his debut and a steel cage match and a steel cage match that he lost because his wife <laughs> locked the goddamn door and let the guy. His climb wife out. is an awful manager. <laughs> but they're gonna put aside all of that shit to join forces to say, you know what? I like Scarlet. She's she's feisty. Let's unite and face off against the bloodline. Like what? Jimmy and Jay. See, this is why Sammy Uso exists because you're dumb. <laughs> and, and like and, and Jay is so, like. Can we talk? Like, Jay is so aggressive. Just like we just with normal conversation stuff. Like he is so aggressive. Like, and and then you got Cross on the other side. He looked like listen. When I want to come for your titles, I'll, I'll come for them, and I'm gonna fight all of you by myself. I don't follow anyone. And my first thought was, dude, you literally follow your wife to the ring. <laughs> like you, like that is your entire entrance is you following your wife around. That is your entire WWE career so far is you're following her around. That's when you've had the most success is following her around. She's leading you to the ring. I mean, seriously. She, it's not even side by side. She's guiding you to the ring. And that's not a lie. Like she's she's literally walking to the ring, and here he comes behind. That's the whole entrance. It's her doing the little uh, fall and pray, and then when she falls, he rises and prays. Like that's the whole thing. Like that's that's the whole thing. Oh my god! I mean, Ray, am I wrong? That's she falls and he rises and prays. That's the whole thing they got going on. And he's behind her, following because she's the leader. She wears the pants in that marriage, and I'm proud of her for it because somebody's got to care charisma for him. Hate to say it, but it's true. Wow. Um, I did not expect to bury him on this show, to shade him like this. It's our to new, wrap it's up our new this Von episode. Wagner for this year. Oh my God. You're telling me <laughs> that Von Wagner is going to Von Wagner himself into a, an improvement award. Carrie Cross is going to earn the You Need to Work on Karen Cross Award. Absolutely. Carry on. Carry on cross. <laughs> Keela, you've come up with two solid nicknames tonight. Thank you. You know, it's very fun to come up with nicknames for people that need them, that need to get over. And I'm trying to help them out. That's what we do here on The Wrap. And now we put our shovels down for this week. We'll be back early Sunday morning after Thanksgiving, covering Survivor Series War Games, going down live in Boston, Massachusetts. I want to thank my co-captain, Perky, Salty, Hangry, Scott Young, for joining me to discuss all things WWE. Thank you, Keela. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and, and talk all things WWE. We had a great conversation. I can't wait to watch Survivor, War Games Survivor Series and you know watch this three-match card. We're going to have these these hour-long marathon War Games matches and L.A. Knight and, uh, and, and Bray Wyatt are going to have an hour-long Iron Man match. And I can't wait to watch it. Don't speak that into existence. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's going to be a gauntlet match. L.A. Knight versus the six personalities of Wyatt. So um, the GH spaces I'll be into those... <laughs> 
after he pins Bray Wyatt, you're like, all right, let me get into my G space. Spaces, man. Somebody got a space on, man, to put my headset on so I can be distracted for like half an hour. I would try to stay strong. Hopefully that does not happen. We'll see. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Eat well. Be safe. Have fun. We'll be back next weekend. So for myself and for Softy Scott Young, that's a wrap on all things WWE. Take care. Bye-bye.